This is a GRDC podcast. G'day, I'm Megan Woodward. It's been one roller coaster of a year for weather to date, with excessive rainfall hitting northern growers over the past six months. With water logging across paddocks, growers are at heightened risk of losing nitrogen from denitrification, and it's an issue GRDC is keen to understand better. Recent research supported by GRDC found that on average, paddocks with water logging could lose 28% of nitrogen from denitrification. To get the complete picture of nitrogen cycling and the conditions under which growers can lose nitrogen from the soil, GRDC has launched a new project to investigate how to better predict nitrogen cycling and losses in Australian cropping systems with a focus on augmenting measurements to enhance modelling. I caught up with Senior Research Scientist at the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries, Dr Graeme Schwenke, to discuss the state of play on the ground right now and the value of further research into nitrogen cycling. Graeme, it is no secret that we've gone from droughts to literal flooding rains and much flooding rain in the first half of 2022. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing on the ground when it comes to waterlogging in paddocks at the moment. Yes, well, I haven't travelled a lot around the, the region, but the places that I have seen, yeah, there's still water lying in low-lying areas of paddocks, not to mention, obviously, other parts of the landscape that are underwater and have been for a reasonable amount of time. So a lot of water sitting around. Obviously, that is of huge concern when we start talking denitrification. Tell me a little bit about the concerns that um, growers rightfully have at the moment. Yes, okay. Well, denitrification is a part of the soil nitrogen cycle. We call it a cycle because it goes around in a circle, I suppose. So nitrogen comes into the soil in various ways. With humankind intervention, we put fertilisers in, but also we have nitrogen-fixing bacteria that bring nitrogen into the soil. There's also... The breakdown of your crop residues that release nitrogen in available forms that other crops can take later on. But because it's a cycle, that means that some of it will be returned to the atmosphere. And the main process for returning nitrogen back to the atmosphere is called denitrification. So it's a natural process, but I guess it's of concern for farmers because it can mean that of the nitrogen that they've got in the soil or they've added to the soil to grow a crop, a significant amount can be lost um, through this pathway. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit, I guess probably the question I should have asked first before we got into that, but just the the general importance of nitrogen and, and nitrogen cycling more generally. Sure. Well, nitrogen is a key essential nutrient for crop growth and crop and pasture growth. Any plants really all require nitrogen. For farming, it's uh, one of the major nutrients, so it's probably the nutrient required in the largest amounts and as such can represent one of the biggest expenses for farmers to to apply nitrogen through fertilisers into their paddocks to get your optimum cropping or pasture production outcomes that that you're after. Absolutely, and it's a bit of a perfect storm at the moment, isn't it? I mean, a lot of northern growers would have had had their nitrogen-depleted soils at the start of this particular season after two really strong harvests, and then you pair that with the waterlocked paddocks, which accelerate the process of denitrification, I guess they should probably be looking at, at soil tests to get a really accurate understanding of their nitrogen levels. Why is that a good thing to do and why is that important? Well, 
we've got a lot of years of research trial experience that's given us some really good information that's used in decision support systems or nitrogen budget calculators, if you like. So people can look at their crop that they had last year and how that crop performed in terms of you know, what yield it had and if it was a, a cereal crop, what sort of protein it had. So you can calculate from that how much nitrogen was taken out of the paddock. We know a little bit about the paddock's background, as in what the soil fertility is like. Then those calculators will tell us, well, how much nitrogen is being provided naturally from the soil organic matter through mineralisation. And so you know how much is gone, you know how much is going to be re-put back into the soil, and then you make a prediction about what your next crop is going to need, and you look at sort of addressing any shortfall in that need through fertiliser. So... That's the system most people would be following. So they're looking at topping that up. So as you said, after some good yields in the last couple of seasons, there would not be a lot of excess nitrogen sitting in the soil anymore that's been taken up by those big crops. And the calculator would take that into account and think, well, okay, there's not much there. So we'll need to schedule to put in X amount of fertiliser to uh, satisfy the needs of the next crop. But if people have done that, put that fertiliser in and then have got these really wet waterlogged conditions on top of that, that could have thrown a spanner into the works. That's when the calculators and, and some of the simulation models don't really have a good handle on what sort of losses may have occurred and we sort of need to go back to the paddock and ask it in the form of doing a soil test and seeing what nitrogen's actually there from what they put in and, and what the soil's mineralised because it could be quite different from what the model has calculated and what they've put on. You could have lost a significant amount. In your experience, do you see the flux of, of weather conditions that growers are having to, to manage over the last decade or two, really? You've seen that potentially... In these wet years, they grow those low-protein crops or a crop doesn't yield quite how they thought it would based on what they thought their nitrogen levels were. Are you seeing that becoming more common? Yeah, we have seen that pop up, like you say, over the last decade or so when we do get those really wet times and that loss pathway hasn't been accounted for. And as I said before, if people are sort of going ahead with all of their calculations based on the simulation models or even their rules of thumb or the nitrogen budget calculators that are out there, if that hasn't been taken into account, then they can be sort of caught a bit short by the time that uh, the crop's well and truly growing or even at the time of harvest where the protein content in a grain crop doesn't end up being as high as they, they think it could be. Definitely. What are, I guess, from your expert point of view, how much weight should be put into particular modelling systems and where do they fall short sometimes and why are they an incredibly useful tool at the same time? Oh, very useful tools because they try and take a lot of these processes into account. They've taken a lot of years of research field trials data into account so there's a lot of information going into the background of these calculators and models and having those there allows people to sort of forecast various scenarios ahead of time and think well okay if if I'm aiming for this particular yield and this particular protein in the season how much will I need and based on those forecasts you can sort of make real economic decisions based on that in a business environment is pretty crucial. So without basically going through and seeing what happens at the end, you can run a, a number of scenarios beforehand and, and see, well, which is going to be the best. 
it may not be the scenario that you think just off the top of your head. And even some of these models can be used even to get sort of really bigger picture things for um, government policies and, and that size of thing as well. So they're really important. They have some great applications, but I guess, yeah, as you said, they're not perfect. And where some of them are not perfect is where you get these extreme conditions because they've been put together over what we might now call uh, more normal years. Sure, there's some tough years in there as well, but yeah, when you get these very extreme conditions, particularly flooding and um, intense rainfall events, models are not necessarily set up for that. I'm interested to know, I guess, taking all that into account and talking about some of the research that you led, which was supported by the GRDC, going in to look at how much paddocks with waterlogging, how much nitrogen they could actually lose from denitrification. Can you tell me about some of the results from that and what you were expecting and if it fell in line with what you thought you'd find? So the way that we've done this sort of research in the past and will continue to do so in the future is we use nitrogen fertiliser that has an enrichment of a stable isotope it's called nitrogen 15 because it has a slightly different atomic mass to regular nitrogen. It's extremely expensive, so we can only use it in small plots. But what it allows us to do, this nitrogen 15, can be tracked through the, the soil and the plant system over time. So we'll put it in as we would put in normal fertiliser. And at the end of the season, we can take our soil samples, but also collect the plants that grew in that soil and look at the grain and the leaves and the stems of those plants and the roots. And we add all that together and we can basically look at the recovery. How much of that original 15N nitrogen that we put in, how much of that can we find at the end of the season? So we look at this recovery as a percentage of what we put in. And that's to simulate you know, normal additions of fertiliser and growing normal crops so that the crop behaves exactly the same as if it was a normal fertiliser, but it just allows us to track this over time. And so by the end of the season, we have not always found all of the 15N that we've put in. So if we can't find it in the soil and we can't find it in the plant, then it's unaccounted for. And we believe that in the Northern Grains region, most of the unaccounted for is likely to be lost through the denitrification process. So the sorts of losses that I've measured in some of my previous research have ranged from as little as about 12% of the nitrogen applied up to 45% loss. So those higher losses were in a situation near Tamworth on a farmer's field where we had a, a period of intense rainfall and, and it was really waterlogged. We literally had to walk in there with, with bare feet because it was so muddy for several weeks. So where we put on various rates of nitrogen in that particular experiment, up to almost half of that was lost from the system. So the plant didn't get a go at it and it wasn't still in the soil for the next crop. In a more normal situation, can be 10 or 15%. A recent review of Australian grains research led by Dr Louise Barton at University of Western Australia found that on average the denitrification loss where it's been specifically looked at in this way was around 28%. That's on average. But the range of results, as I said, was in this case as little as 0% but as, as much as 54%. So that's sort of what we're dealing with. So if, for example, you put 100 kilos of nitrogen on per hectare, 
to fertilise your crop at the start of the season or, or even a little bit before the start of the season. By the end of the season, your crop may have had access to all of that or it may have had access to only half of that, depending on the weather conditions you've had during the season. Right, so paddocks with waterlogging, losing up to 28% of nitrogen from denitrification, what sort of impact does that have on the crop? What does that look like in real terms, Graham? If the amount of fertiliser that the farmer put on was budgeted to basically meet the needs of that crop and you've lost, for example, up to a third or perhaps even half of that, then the crop is going to be deficient in nitrogen. And you can sometimes see that visually quite easily by a very yellow crop in the field. And it's often the case that, uh, as I said at, at the start, you see these wet areas. Some areas in the paddocks stay wetter than others and you'll see that those tend to be very yellow-looking areas of crop and this is often one of the reasons for that poor performance of the crop. So they're not going to yield that well in those areas. So I guess that kind of leads us into the need for a better understanding of the complete picture around nitrogen cycling and the conditions under which growers can lose nitrogen from their soil. What would you be saying is something that, I guess we've talked about soil testing, but the industry support that GRDC is looking at with the investment to investigate this issue augmenting the measurements to enhance modelling, what's the worth of that to a grower on the ground that is trying to grapple with these fluctuating climate challenges? Pretty much as we were talking about earlier, the importance of having good models to simulate what happens in the field. These simulation models represent a great tool that just allows us to understand the system put everything that we've learnt about the system from various soil types and, and various soil conditions, weather conditions particularly, into that scenario and look at, well, what can that model tell us about how much the soil can provide on its own? So we don't want to be over-fertilising, particularly nowadays in an environment when fertiliser is becoming so expensive. We really want to be as accurate as we can be with the recommendations that, that farmers get as to how much nitrogen they need to apply. And, of course, the other side is if you want good efficiency of the nitrogen that we put in, we need to understand under what conditions that it's going to be lost. And while we know what these lost pathways are, theoretically, we need to be able to know that, yes, we can simulate that happening under the conditions that we want to investigate under various scenarios. And with changing climate, you've got different scenarios that you want to investigate. Absolutely. It all comes down to... Managing risk, and that's financial risk, that's your growth risk, soil risk, all the things you can and can't control. And obviously when it comes to nitrogen, there's the environmental risk or environmental impact as well. How important is that, I guess, as a, a focus point for growers at the moment and the way this particular piece of research can potentially help reduce that impact? In Australia, in the last decade, there's been quite a broad gamut, if you like, of research into the environmental aspects of nitrogen losses. So in this denitrification process, the gases that are lost from the soil include nitric oxide, nitrous oxide and dinitrogen. So three different gases can be lost and how much of each gas is lost is dependent on the particular conditions and the soil type. But in the vast majority of cases, the main gas that's lost from the soil is N2 
or dinitrogen, which is what our atmosphere is mostly composed of. 78%, I think, of the, of the air we breathe is, is full of dinitrogen. So that's, that's not an environmental issue, the dinitrogen. But the other gases are, and particularly nitrous oxide has been a focus of a lot of research in the last decade because it's a greenhouse warming gas. Its greenhouse warming potential is around about 300 times that of carbon dioxide on a molecule-by-molecule basis. The amounts of nitrous oxide that are emitted during denitrification and even other processes in the soil also emit nitrous oxide, but denitrification is the main one most often. The actual amounts that are lost are not significant from an agronomic point of view. So we're talking a few kilos at the most of nitrous oxide, nitrogen lost per hectare per year. Whereas when we're talking dinitrogen, it could be you know, tens of kilos if we're talking a major loss. Could be 50 or 60 or 80 kilos at the most. But yes, the nitrous oxide losses are small, but in an environmental sense, they're important. So agricultural industries in general that are looking to become more carbon neutral and less impactful on the environment. This is uh, one of the key concerns in terms of a, if you like, a carbon footprint of growing crops. Nitrous oxide is a key component uh, within that life cycle assessment. Absolutely. And I guess just plays into even more the importance of, of understanding nitrogen loss and improving system modelling from a farmer's point of view, but from an environmental point of view as well. You've been incredibly knowledgeable. It's been great speaking with you, Dr. Schwanke. I guess to finish on today, if there's a grower listening right now and he's experiencing or she's experiencing all the things that we've described and discussed so far, what's the course of action that a concerned grower could take right now, could go and do right now, as soon as they stop listening to this and jump out of the tractor, what could they do? It will depend on what situation they're in. If they've got crops in the ground already and those crops are very waterlogged or have been very waterlogged, but it looks like drying up, then you know once it's sort of dry enough to get on the paddock, I would be, as we said before, suggesting that a soil test to see what nitrogen is remaining in the soil. So if you can get that information fairly soon and if it shows that your soil's now a lot less provisioned with nitrogen than it was at the start or what you thought it was going to be, then there's an opportunity to add some more nitrogen to the crop. And, you know, you want to obviously add that nitrogen in a way that's going to be available to the plant this year. So obviously you don't want it to be there and then uh, have things dry up and, and then that nitrogen be stranded on or near the top of the soil. If it's a case of having to apply some nitrogen in a broadcast sense, then the usual precautions with that, particularly if you're applying as urea apply, in that you don't want to apply it to a wet soil that's drying because then you can be at risk of losing some of that through another nitrogen pathway, which is ammonia volatilisation. But if your soil is dry and you've got some rain predicted within a few days, then that's the sort of best time to apply some urea in that scenario that should not lead to major losses from that. That's great advice and I'm sure there's plenty of people that are very happy to take on all the advice you have to give. Incredibly knowledgeable. Thank you so much for joining us. That's uh, Dr Graeme Schwenke. He's a Senior Research Scientist with New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you.
excellent overview there from Dr. Graham Schwanke on nitrogen loss and waterlogged paddocks and some great common sense considerations about how to approach the situation if you're facing it right now. We look forward to bringing you more updates on the new GRDC project, looking into nitrogen cycling in the coming months. This is a GRDC podcast. I'm Megan Woodward. Thanks for listening. Thank you.